دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدفع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی خاطر روی زمین گشت سردار آسمون به توی دروازه سردار آسمون گل به نام آسمون به برای ایران بزنه کریم اصلی فر Welcome back to Gobizan. Uh, I'm your host today, Samson Tamajani. We're mixing up the lineup. We're following in the footsteps of Mr. Galnoi and mixing up the lineup for this episode. I have with me Pejman Pars. And Sahan Salari, uh, guys, what's up? Hi, Samson. Nice to be back. Yeah, nice to be back. All right, uh, Sahan, we're going to give you a chance to uh, defend why Galanoy is the genius that he is. <laughs> but uh, first, I want to just uh, review, just, uh, you know, just take a deep breath with everyone and just recap uh, what we saw. We saw a, a bit of a slow start of defensive uh, organization the first few minutes. However, uh, Mehdi Gayadi uh, continues to shine this tournament. He's the one bright spot. The other bright spot may be uh, the fact that we don't have any yellow cards, I think. Uh, that's pretty much uh, the best things that, that we can say about this tournament so far for uh, Iran. We got our hopes up a little bit with really good finishing in the first match against Palestine. Uh, I think we're, we dipped back into... Uh, why we were criticizing some of the lineups in the first place months and months ago with what happened uh, in this match. A 1-0 win only for Iran, despite all of our, all of our predictions, maybe getting a bit ahead of ourselves, thinking this would be a, another route. Uh, but as is the case with most of the uh, big boys in Asian football, uh, closer than we think. And that is indeed uh, what happened. 1-0. I just want to ask an uh, initial reaction uh, to what we saw. We thought there were going to be changes in the at halftime. Some changes came later. All five subs, none of them really making that much sense. Uh, we'll go into the lamps a little bit uh, in a few minutes. But, guys, just initial reactions uh, now that you've had at least a day to soak it in. Uh, Sahan, I'll, I'll start with you first. Well, I guess he tried to rotate the lineup, um, which I think is reasonable because – it seemed like the opposition was going to be, you know, even weaker than the first game. And I think Palestine showed they were a pretty good team actually against UAE. They probably should should have won that game. So I think the fact that maybe the first game they were a little bit nervous and they have obviously a lot on their mind, but uh, and we scored early, so maybe that threw them off. But I thought we had a good first game and maybe the second game, I think um, the staff and definitely the players took Hong Kong lightly. And I think we played Hong Kong kind of recently and it was a very easy game for us. Uh, and we won 4-0. So I think uh, maybe the players weren't ready. And I think it was mentioned afterwards by Tarami that the players just really like weren't up for the weren't up for the game. And to credit to Hong Kong, you know, they showed a lot of improvement since we played them in November. And I thought in terms of their speed and their pressing and kind of their just general energy on the pitch they had a higher energy level than us. And 
And also, I think to me, the one of the big takeaways was that we we can't rotate our team because we don't the drop off when we rotate our team. Okay, against Hong Kong, maybe it was okay to do it and give some people a rest or people who are like having niggling injuries or something. But as we get deeper into the tournament, I think we really only have like thirteen players that we can use, like maybe fourteen players that we can use, um, which is, you know, that's in a large part Galinois's fault because he called up a squad of twenty six players and he really a lot of them are not usable players i mean they're just not physically even if you don't don't want to get into their technical or tactical capabilities but physically they dropped off a lot some of them the older guys uh and maybe for some of us that don't watch a lot of them regularly you can see now like okay this guy's old they can barely move so yeah that was my main takeaway Benjamin, uh not exactly the even with the limited rotation that he had with these twenty six players, not exactly the rotation that 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 would have uh, provided more uh, production. It's about uh, was about negative twelve degrees Celsius where I'm right now in the U.S. Uh, and I, I think that's still not as cold as our offensive production and our defensive uh, stability in the game. What do you think? <laughs> uh, nice analogy. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, you can you can say it was really cold, or you can say like we're close to hell the way we we saw the game play, or at least try to play. Um, I mean, I, I can't name a single player who I think was decent during the entire game or for a longer period. Uh, from Beiravant in goal, who should have received a red card in my opinion uh, late in the game. Uh, handball outside of the uh, area uh, to the offense with uh, Taremi and uh, Moranlu uh, not having any dynamic uh, Taremi being being the good player that he is have been struggling in these two games but uh, his movements uh, are good you can see that he's been in Europe for a long time but Against Hong Kong, I think we all uh, expect a bit more from all of these players. So, uh, in my opinion, uh, none of them... Uh, I mean, maybe it's good that we can uh, rotate a, a little bit because uh, it showed that uh, none of these players should be safe uh, for a starting place in the, in the squad. At the same time, as Sahan mentioned, I mean... We don't really have that much to offer on the bench anyway. So, yeah, it was a bit worrying to see uh, how bad each and every player could be. It was like their worst version of themselves ever, which was kind of funny in a sad way. And I think the... the it's It's reassuring in a way, but it's also that much more discomforting knowing that th we're talking about this despite the fact that Iran achieved all three points they are for sure in the next round every objective on paper uh points to progress except for maybe the amount of goals i mean heck just leave, even looking at the possession it technically has iran getting 70.5% of the possession uh, in this match, although Sahan made a really good point and had probably 40% of that in real time 
was just the ball being out of play or a free kick. It, it was just it was like watching a uh, a kind of a, a PE class in in a. I, in a I don't really school. think. I don't really think the possession thing really. I mean, how we didn't have that many clear cut chances. I mean, That's even if I'm you saying. compare That's it to Palestine, saying. yeah, it was like, it was weird how we really struggled. I think a couple times Ramin was like had some runs that Kodus picked him out or something, but Mohan had like a header. But by and large, we struggled in I think every part of the game. Really. We 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 saw not a lot of reading the game as much, trying the, the just the usual drills, the usual passes, the usual things between uh, two or three guys who know each other, but uh, not uh, expanding the imagination, really. Whereas I think Hong Kong did their homework. They looked at the film of the of the last time that these two teams played, and they worked on what they could. They just couldn't overcome their shortage of talent. Uh, that being said, uh, Iran didn't have quite the talent that they could have brought in, other than the fact that th- that no no one seemed to have been in their right mind. They what I was saying earlier is that they seem to have taken the day off. Look forward to maybe the third match, or maybe they thought the group match was ar- the group matches were already over. Now it's time to look to the second round. Uh, Mogan Lu uh, had a great chance with the header, but he was offside anyway. Um, on the second post. Uh, Missing that chance, uh, I'm not sure if it was him or, or Tari Mi uh, who missed that 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 uh, cross sent in from the right side. Uh, Jahan Baksh looked uh, like he was in slow motion as always. As it's all, he came off the bench. He looked like slow motion as always. Uh, Saman looked like he kind of ran out of ideas. Overall, the the passing was very slow. These guys were hesitant to release the ball. I felt uh, Milad Mohammadi. Uh, not very reliable. Kenani, Hosseini, uh, not their best matches. Uh, Ramin, as you, as we were just talking about, uh, not his best game, although he, he tried to go on his runs to produce more, but just uh, every single ball didn't seem to go to the right place. Uh, in terms of the lineup, what do we need to see change? Knowing that this is not probably the 26-man uh, roster that we would have loved, uh, what do we need to see in the in this final group stage uh, or the final group stage to at least get some momentum going to the second uh, second round? Uh, I think it's really important that I mean we have this last game now and it's probably the hardest game in the group and that players have a chance to bounce back. But it's also very important, I think, for the staff because okay now we can say since this camp started they had basically four matches to test things out they had the game against burkina faso they had the game against indonesia then they had the game against palestine now they had hong kong where they rotated so they had four games everybody almost everyone got minutes and now it's i think you have to put your strongest team and from now on whatever you put on the field that's what because what you put on the field against the uae you hope they build some continuity and then you're going to keep the same guys for the knockout stage matches. Um, and so I think the lineup is going to be really important. And from what I saw in the, just these couple games, um, I think, I don't know if, what the situation with Kodizade is, but I think there's a really a strong possibility that John Bach needs to be totally removed from the lineup. Uh, so that would be my first thing. I think he's, I don't know what's, I don't want to like bash him or anything, 
and he gives like defensive effort and stuff still, but with the ball, he's killing us. He really is killing us most of the attacks. Uh, his decision making, his speed at his decision making, uh, something is like clearly wrong with him. And there's a reason he barely plays at club level. And I don't think he's actually played for his club one minute since that injury he got against Hong Kong in November. So you're talking about somebody who like, yeah, he's rusty and he was already kind of regressing to begin with, but I don't know. I think he should be gone. So I would say, yeah, Polizade, I hope has fit enough to come in. Uh, Torobi is another guy who I think played a really good game against Uzbekistan in the uh, first half. Um, so that's another player that I hope, you know, they can incorporate. I know he had like an injury. Um, and Osmoon, obviously, yeah, we saw the drop off between Osmoon and Mohan Lu, so we knew that. Uh, hopefully, he's fit. And for the defense, I think Mohairami had a really strong first match. I think he should probably be started. I mean, we have Ramin, but Ramin was also injured for a couple of weeks, so maybe that's one position that you could be a toss up. And on the left side is probably our biggest problem. I think we've t talked about that before, but whether we pick Milad or Hodgsefi, both of them are kind of a mess. And Hodgsefi, the first game against Palestine, his side was getting attacked so much in the second half. And then Milad was doing stuff in this game. That we're like, I mean, this guy played so many years in Europe and he's still doing this stuff. So, yeah, I think it's they have to get the lineup right because whatever he picks, he needs to stick with it moving forward. Pejman, uh, I want your answer, but also if and when hopefully we see these the two main guys we were just talking about, uh, Azmoon and Wolizadeh, will they be fresh for this match or will they be cold as the other guys were in the second game? Um, I mean, one thing about Wolizadeh is like he's coming off from, from a long injury, haven't really got any minutes in, in uh, Poland, so that can be an issue. Like, how fit is he? For real, it's it's hard to say. Uh, and Osborne, we've seen him play, getting some minutes in in uh, Roma. But if I'm not mistaken, I think the reason he didn't play was like a small thigh injury, I believe. I don't know if that's confirmed or not. But um, I think uh, Osborne is probably the biggest, uh, the most important player we have to to put in in the mix because he's. Uh, Chemistry with Toremi is is really great. Uh, those two guys can find each other, and those two can, on their own, change the the game by themselves. And now I I kind of hope like a like a golden triangle with uh, Samuel Godus, Sardar Osmoon, and Mehdi Tomri up front doing, uh, being kind of creative and uh, finding each other and and doing that you know that extra that's like becoming from an Asian player to a, like a European kind of uh, style, if you know uh, what I mean. Uh, and regarding in defense, I would probably pick uh, Ramin ahead of uh, Sadek, to be honest. But uh, uh, as Sahan mentioned, it's on the left side that we have some issues. I mean, I, I really like try to, to, to give me a lot the opportunity or like the benefit of, of the doubt. But I mean, there's a reason Ehsan is, is still playing and there's a reason he's ahead of him in, in their club team as well in, in Greece. So if I have to choose, 
I would probably go with the more experienced uh, Ehsan Hodge Safi, but uh, both of them need to say goodbye to the national team after Asian Cup, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Jahan Baksh for Kholizade, I agree, or Kholizade for Jahan Baksh, but it depends on how fit he is, to be honest. I think Torabi could also play there. I think that I'm. Torabi in is gen- injured as well. In general, I think the level of technicality, like you're saying, we need to bring it up. So that triangle you mentioned with Kodus and Osborne and Torami, but we have other players, Kholizade and Torabi who can contribute on that front too. And I think right now what we see is that our defensive stability is nowhere near what it used to be because we're playing a lot more open. And so I think it's like not really going to work in the middle of the tournament to try and fix like our defensive structural issues that are clearly there when we play this style. I think it's more effective at this point if we just say, look, if we can get the players on the field that are kind of the most uh, technical, the ones that combine can combine at a higher level, kind of European level with each other and, you know, win games that way. Uh, then I think, yeah, like the combination, and we've seen this before when Kodus is there with Kholizade, with Osmoon, with Taremi, uh, with Torobi also, uh, you know, players that have speed and kind of agility and that what Samson was mentioning before, they kind of have a little bit out of the box and can, uh, produce something that, you know, maybe the opponent isn't expecting. So they have a bit more variability in their game. I think that's probably the best way forward. Because yeah. uh, certain yeah, guys, I think, Mohan, Jahan Bach, sorry to cut you off, uh, Cheshmi, these kind of guys are very predictable. You know, even besides going into whether they're good or not, but their actions are super predictable. And I think that we need to, we can improve with just the right players. Predictable, I think that's an understatement. I, I, I think you hit it right on the head. Go ahead, Pejman. Yeah, um, about the defense, uh, I think Cheshmi got his chance to like prove himself with Said being kind of semi-injured or, or just for the rotation. I don't know, but um, we're not here to bash these guys. They're professional, but uh, Cheshmi maybe had probably one of his worst games in the in the national team against maybe one of the weakest opponents he ever played against. That's kind of disturbing. Uh, and he was like the reason for uh, Bayron Van coming out and grabbing the ball outside of the box, which, as I said, probably should uh, render a red card. And uh, unfortunately, Majid Hosseini, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if, how much we can blame him because all the players were kind of weak. But now that Shoja Khayezadeh were injured and other guys said that Madrid should be a starter anyway, I couldn't see him being an improvement against Shoja, to be honest. Uh, as I mentioned before, or maybe some people don't know, like I still believe that the duo Shoja and uh, Kanani is the best we have today. And for Majid, I think he made a strong case for that as well, being he almost uh, uh, made made uh, like an assist to to Hong Kong to, to score a goal. So there there is some some uh, troubles there as well. And to be I honest, think Magic, like this... not to yeah. I think Magic to me, uh, I've seen his games in Turkey the past couple of years, and he's playing really well there. 
I think he's on the when he's shifted to the left side of the center backs, when he's the left sided center back and he's right footed, he wants to play out, but he's left, he's right footed on the left side. And so that kind of limits his options when he's playing out. And there's more turnovers than I'm definitely like used to seeing from him. So I think it probably if Shoja is fit, Shoja should take the left sided spot. Like Hasbovi would have been a better option, I think, for the left-sided center back spot. But okay, Shoja, and then you pick one of Kanoni or Hosseini on the right side where they're both more comfortable. Yeah, for me, Kanoni is the number one starter of all of them, to to be honest. And here's the the, the saddest part that I have like realized: like our defensive midfielder, uh, the, the first pick is is Ezatoloi, the second seems to be Cheshmi, and the third seems to be Omid Ebrahimi. And today, at this point, I believe the 40-year-old guy, really old, uh, Omid Ibrahimi, is probably the best choice, to be honest, because he doesn't make those mistakes that Omid, uh, sorry, that Saeed and Ruzbe makes. And those two are reliability, and I'm just amazed that they haven't received a yellow card yet, because I think they both should have got one in both the games. Not to mention the... Uh... The, the penalty that could have been with, with Cheshmi pulling uh, the Hong Kong player by the shirt, uh, as, as well as, and you mentioned, uh, Baron Vond uh, getting a little little fist to the ball 20 yards outside of the penalty area, neither of which were subject to VAR. I think, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, the whole officiating crew is ready for that game to be over just based on how ugly it was uh, with no one being able to string two or three decent passes together. Uh, I was, uh, well, I, is anyone final thoughts on just the actual play itself on the field? Or I the... still think, I still think Ezatolohi is our best, like for better or worse. I don't remember a big game, a big Iran match that Ezatolohi didn't have a good game. I think, honestly, if you look at the history of him in the big games, He's always played strong. It doesn't matter what his situation is at club level or otherwise, or and sometimes in these other games, he looks a little bit off the pace. But he's always shown, even in this last World Cup against Wales and against the US, where everyone else had a poor game, but he's always shown he has the technical ability to lift his game. And so I think I would still trust him over Omid, especially for playing with only two people. I, Omid, I watched him in the stadium and in Russia, and he was so you know, good back then and able to cover so much ground and so fast and uh, aggressive. But it's, you know, it's natural. It's been five years since then. The guy's not the same player. He can't move as fast. And he's become a lot more stiff and less agile. And I just, it goes back to the selection in the first place. I'm just confused when they were making the selection for the team, why they chose this many guys with kind of similar profile and similar weaknesses. You know, if we had a faster profile as a center mid option, even if it was a guy from the league, somebody younger, then right now that would be pretty helpful, I think. But which one are we going to see? Which side are, are, are we going to see? The one who, who loses his man or is one step behind his man and has to foul him right outside the box or inside yeah, the box I, sometimes? Yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk you have to take. But then again, you know, that's – what we have to work with. So you can yeah. say that Said, even taking into account all the problems he has and the chance that he might give away fouls, but still his level, generally speaking, in 
this kind of midfield system you're playing with just him and Kodus, it's going to be Saeed, and we hope that, that he has a good game. That's all you can do, really. Well, uh, I, I think a lot of it starts with the leadership, how they per, how they prepared this team for the second game. When you're a superior team, when you are a favorite, this second match can always be a trap game, in a way, because you had all the buildup with all the friendlies getting ready for this first match. You take care of business. You're, you know that the strongest opponent is probably the third match. And you think to yourself, should I mix it up with the lineup in the second game? Should I let some guys rest? Should I keep it going to keep the momentum? Do I not want to get guys hurt? And we saw the effects of the second match. And from Amir Gadanoi, he had to answer for that after the match. And, and he said uh, in the press conference, uh, a little bit of a, you know, translation and uh, paraphrasing here, but he said, quote, for eight years, they spent so much money on this team, they meaning the Federation, gave them so many facilities, as the demand of Karosh, as we all know, uh, had the best camps, everyone supported them, even the president, speaking of the president of Iran, uh, the country, not just the Federation. Either they were not brave enough to criticize Karosh, or they want to bring this team down. I took, I don't know about you guys, I, I really take issue with that. When you are the manager of one of the top sides in Asia, you win a game, which you can't use two ways you can go about this. One way, you say what worked and said what didn't work, we're going to have to work on in the training ground. We still have a mission here to win the Asian Cup. That's what my guys are working for. Or you can take the dramatized role and make it about how you're the victim. And I think that's what he did, at least with this part of the press conference. And I think that was the wrong move. I think he had so many ways to go about this, and he went about it the most immature way. And I think it could it could spur divisions within the team camp because yeah, half, most of your star players came because of Karosh's guys scouting him and finding them and raising them through the system, and they're still very much loyal to him. And here you are bashing how everything was run. And by the way, this we're in the middle of the Asian Cup and you're saying this. And so it spurs a lot of negativity. It's really disheartening to see. Uh, I, I'm curious what you guys think of the leadership uh, at this point for the camp. I mean, I think in some ways he has uh, a point in that well, we just played a game. We played two games. We played one really good first game, uh, which, I mean, we pretend like it didn't happen, but we did have a good first game. And yeah, we had a bad second game, but we're in the middle of a tournament and we look around at the other kind of favorites and they all are having problematic games. Japan just lost. Before that, they conceded two goals versus Vietnam. Uh, you know, South Korea just tied. Jordan, the same Jordan side that we beat a couple months ago. That people were like, oh, like, who cares about beating Jordan? Um, and, you know, so I think Kalenui, and he always had this thing even before. Uh, if you can go look at his interviews, he's always been like kind of like a victim. He always tries to present himself as the victim, uh, which is kind of an Iranian cultural thing, actually. So it's not surprising that he goes back to that in the press conference. But I will say that, yeah, like the fact that we're in the middle of a tournament and we had a bad game. I still think that a little bit of the reaction is 
if Galanoi wasn't the coach and it was somebody else, I think I tend to think the reaction from the press and from the fans and stuff would be a little bit different. Um, so Galanoi kind of sees himself as like and his team as an easy target because he's the coach. So it's not like you say, it's not ideal, but I don't think also it's really worth talking that much about uh, in terms of, you know, if it's going to bring division to the team, I doubt it because Galanoi actually has a good relationship with Kairosh and they met uh, just a couple of months ago and when we played them. And they hugged and stuff, and they were all cool. So I, I don't think it will cause any problems on the team. Other things definitely might, is coaching, but not this. Benjamin, what did what did you think of that? Or or his leadership in general, how he's managed these these matches? Um I don't have much to add. I think I agree with uh, with Sahan, and we have to understand like um maybe this was like a genius move. Uh, making the media not actually thinking about the players, per, uh, um, uh, uh, how the players played, uh, and uh, just focus like giving all the negative focus and energy on him instead of the players. I don't know if that was like a Jedi mind trick for, of him, or he's just used to be in this Iranian media mentality. I mean, this is what he's he's born with, and this is what he knows. Uh, like one of our greatest football players, uh, Ale Doe, when he was a coach, uh, he basically did the, the same things, to be honest. So maybe this is his way of protecting the players. And I don't know how much we should read in into that, because as Sahan said, he's basically partially right, probably, but that doesn't change anything. The the, the politics, the the uh, the, the, the talking about uh, the after Kairos era. I mean, we are living in it now and we should like deal with it now. And for your question about like how he's been in general, I mean, it, it's hard to say. We just have to see the results. And so far, uh, he's won more or less every game against teams that we, that we want, that we supposed, Iran is supposed to win against. So his, his first big tests will probably come, come uh, in one, one or two games, but against UAE, as we also mentioned before, it's like his chance or his opportunity to uh, fix, so to say, the 11 uh, players and make sure that those players who are playing and those tactics that they have will be implemented in the in the game because the, the kind of game they're playing against uh, Hong Kong they won't even win against like teams like Syria or Uzbekistan and uh, like Bahrain and those kind of teams, even less yeah. UAE. Yeah. I mean, with Kalanui also, you have to like, you have to consider everything, not just the bad or the things you think are like outrageous that he says or, or some of his behavior on the touchline, but you have to take into consideration, you know, the fact that now Salman Abodus is this starter and he put him as a central midfielder. I think that had a big positive impact on how the team plays when everyone, all the starters are in, uh, in the first half against Uzbekistan and the game against Palestine. Uh, I think that the t like, and for a long time, we thought this and we talked about this. So why don't we just use Salmon as a midfielder? And we often thought using him in a three-man midfield uh, with another traditional midfielder to help cover ground like Nurullahi maybe that still would have been the best way for this team even now, but whatever 
way he chose, he integrated him. And that was a big deal, I think. Uh, and he was one of the, he, you know, there's been multiple coaches that didn't give someone playing time. And he was the one who was brave enough to do it. And someone mentioned that, that he speaks so much to me and gives me like, you know, what tells me what he wants me to do, gives me positive energy. And so I think, I mean, look at what he did with Qaidi. A lot of people, including myself, like wrote Qaidi off. Uh, and even Qaranoi didn't call him up for like a while. Uh, the whole time, basically the last year, he didn't call him up after the CAFA tournament. It was so bad then. And he that helped Qaidi work harder for his club and then called him back. And a lot of people were critical of it. But in the first two games, you can say he's been one of the brightest spots. And even if he doesn't keep his face as a starter, he's definitely like a weapon that we have now. Um, so I don't think it's all, you know, just looking at it as, oh, this guy, you know, Galanoi's such an idiot or making fun of him. He's doing some good things. And the thing with dealing with the media, that's like typical Maslum Namoi, what we call that. And he's always done that. And that's just his style and the style of basically every Iranian coach. If you, like Pejman said, if you go look at, our league, the coaches that like Nekunam right now, Yahya, constantly quitting every like three weeks when he doesn't get what he wants. So it's just the normal thing. If you have an Iranian coach, this is the mentality they come with, you know? Yeah. It's a super toxic environment that they used to. So, I mean, we have to take that in consideration and, and see the context of it. Well, I, I would, I would like to see trophies won uh, and, advancing uh, without a bunch of injuries against teams ranked under 99 in the world. Uh, I, I, I would love to see uh, you avoid any kind of uh, mental trick uh, with the press, with your players. I would like to avoid that when you're playing against weaker competition and avoiding injuries as well. And I will say, with Karosh, uh, I think you brought up a great point, Sahan. He didn't utilize Saman as well as he could have, uh, and Galanoi has. So that's a very good point. Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, Keros had bad games as well. Yeah, and, and you we called him out. We called him out. We, we it, I can't speak for others, but I know that this platform gave very straightforward criticism to what we thought did not work from Karosh and what we could not really understand from Karosh. So let's not act like everyone has always thought he was angelic, especially not in Iran. He's, I mean, he dealt with years of these campaigns from certain television hosts yeah. uh, and pundits who were very much against what he was doing. And the difference here is no matter what, you, you can change your view of where you think it was good or bad. What you can't change is the resume he had and his track record and accomplishments compared to a coach who is Iranian. So, again, you don't have to make it a battle of apples to apples when it's not really apples to apples. So, but regardless, it, 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 you're, I think Pejman was right. It does give a chance to maybe for the players not think about having to blame all on themselves. And another uh, idea I do have with that, because I do want to move along to another topic here is that uh, maybe maybe we can spend a, just a few seconds on this. I, I think one thing that people aren't really talking about is how Tarami was very quiet 
this last game, and, and really the first game as well. We thought he would maybe break out and be doing what, what Gaiazi was doing. You know, it's displaying his quality with great finishes, great dribbles. And he had a couple against Palestine. We didn't see it as much against Hong Kong. Do we think Inter Milan or any of these rumors around him are getting to him at all? Or do you think that he's maybe not taking it as seriously? Because we don't want to see him get his pocket picked uh, by a couple guys from Hong Kong. Or for that matter, a couple guys from... UAE because he is in a different class. Will we see him, I guess, show out and blossom in this next match? Are we? Are, is he just kind of a kind of still? Are we waiting for him to still wake up? No, I think he's an experienced player, and I mean, if you just look at how he's played, yeah, I guess his form is like not as good as it was this year compared to last year. But I mean, his form has been. If you take the last couple of years in general, his form has been incredible. I think a little bit he's probably pacing himself because he knows he's going to have to play like basically all the minutes uh, because of Sardar not being like totally reliable fitness wise. And because of, you know, the fact we lack really quality there that he has to play a lot. And I think a little bit he was um, pacing himself and a little bit he was just sloppy. You know, when you try to do that and not take it 100% to try and conserve your energy then even the technical things, which don't really have a lot to do with you're trying to conserve energy, they can drop off too. And so I think he was loose with his passing, especially. Um, but I think when it matters that he will be there. And anyway, it's not like we have any better, better to put. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's not like he's getting a whole lot of help. I don't think uh, Asadi and, and Morgan Lu are, are, are being good, uh, <laughs> good, good uh, sidekicks for him. Uh, yeah, striking <laughs> partners. Yeah, Pajma, I don't know if you had anything else to add on that in terms of offensive production. Um, no. Yeah, but a- anyway, moving on then, uh, in terms of the competition that we will face in this third match, it, it will decide the winner of the group. Uh, UAE uh, having four points uh, and Iran six points. And the last... Almost every single match Iran has played against UAE in the last 13, 14 odd years uh, have been 1 0. 1 0, just looking right here on my notes, 1 0 in the uh, World Cup qualifying to 2014, uh, the back in, or I'm sorry, the 2010. Uh, in the Asian Cup in 2011, Iran did win 3 0. 1 0 in the 2015 Asian Cup, 1 uh, 0. And 1-0 in the 2022 World Cup qualifiers. And Iran just came off of a 1-0 win again. Uh, so should we... I, I know we had a, a bit of a negative experience against Hong Kong, but should we uh, expect, again, a 1-0 one, a one or one-goal type game or, or maybe even a draw? What, what should we pace ourselves for, guys? Pejman? I think we can expect a draw, to be honest. I mean, Iran uh, will win the group, probably. Uh, and uh, the question is, what players will play? Will the players that we hope for, like preparing the team for the uh, next phase, play? Or do we need to rest them? Because hopefully there will be a longer tournament waiting, like will Karim. Uh, take Moranu's place if Sadar isn't fit. 
Would that make any difference? I mean, it's it's important to see how the team bounces back. I do believe that uh, Iran will actually uh, win by a one goal margin, like one zero or two one, probably. Uh, I can't see this defense uh, struggling this much against Hong Kong, making it making it a better game versus UAE. But it would be really interesting to see how the team bounces back. And UAE needs to win, most probably, to, to go to the second round, which could be good for Iran because Iran is kind of good on the counterattacks. And uh, uh, early goal from Iran could open the, the floods for four and five as well. Yeah, Sahan, yeah, before you go, Sahan, just, just so we all are aware, Iran has... Uh, not lost an Asian Cup match. They have to pace themselves with, with keeping guys not injured because so many are. And that's another discussion with conditioning and and uh, taking care of their bodies. Uh, but they kind of also need a win to to carry forth more uh, momentum. Is this a case of keeping guys healthy and preserving and doing it just enough to win the group, set yourself up nicely? Or do you need to attack this game to gain momentum for the rest of the, no. of the cup? I don't think so. I think we need to win the game and they need to respond because they had a bad game. I mean, we won, but it feels like we didn't win. Uh, and there's been like criticism. Kalanoi knows that. And he obviously it affected him too because he's saying weird stuff. So I think he's pissed and he looked super pissed on the side. Um, so I think if he puts the strongest lineup, like this is our lineup moving forward, maybe minus like one guy or something, um, I think we should win. And I think we'll, I don't, I doubt we keep a clean sheet too, but I think two, one or three, one, we can win. But, um, about pacing, I mean, like trying to keep guys fit to me, it's not, I mean, like Toro B and Goli's other situation, because I guess they came in with Knox, which is weird. I mean, Goli's are that got fit and played a couple games in Poland and then came back. I don't know if he had another small injury. So we're not sure about those guys. But in general, I mean, injuries are a part of playing. You know, you look at South Korea, their goalie just tore his ACL in practice and training. Um, you know, so this sort of stuff happens and the team just has to, uh, we know we have a problem with depth, but I think it's much more important that we win this game because if we don't win this game and have like a tie and another bad game with all this negativity, then going into the knockout games, it's going to be even more difficult for the team. Uh, and then disaster can like happen right there. So I think they're going to be strongest team and put in a strong performance. I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's fair to say. Um, now just recapping the, potential matchups uh, that Iran could face. Guys, help me out here. Iran win the group and they would place uh, they would play against the third the best third place between groups is it A, C and F or, or do I have that right? Um so I thought I thought you knew you you're proofing us a few a few days ago on that. Um I think we're going to play I don't know if it will change. I mean it depends, but if we win and other results go as like they're expected, I think we're going to play Syria as the next game, as the round of 16. 
I think, but I'm not sure a hundred percent, but that's what I have been told. So, so far the best third place teams, I mean, just have three points and those are Bahrain, Indonesia, um, and then one point Syria, Tajikistan. So we, we don't really, I mean, it's too early to tell so far. Uh, but the, in terms of, I'm trying to make sure I get this right. Like Syria uh, is playing, I forget who. They have a game against like the weakest team in that group, I think. Um, and Syria to me looked pretty good in the games I saw. Like they improved and they have some foreign, foreign players or foreign playing players. Um, but I think if they win their game, then I think they will go as the third place. If we win Group C, we would face the third place of Group A, B, or F. And the current standings, uh, or the current table, rather, of A, B, and F, uh, as of the recording of this Saturday night, is Tajikistan with one point in Group A, uh, although that, that could switch uh, between them or China, uh, or Lebanon for that matter. I mean, I think it's 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 too early to to even start to talk about that because uh, we've seen all the results so far. Uh, we can't really yeah. can't expect predict. to be sure. So so let's let's maybe take that for the next uh, pod probably where we can guess or even know what teams uh, we will play. But yeah, probably yeah. a weaker team. Yeah, the the only places we even know right now as of this recording are Iraq and Qatar because they've already. Uh, pretty much one. But my one, guess is one. that we play a, we're going to play a team that's like kind of a similar level to UAE. So, yeah. you know, the game is very, in that sense, again, it's like super important that we send a message and we get the momentum back. And I think one thing you can say in these sort of tournaments is a lot of it, the performance in the key games comes down to the momentum and the vibe kind of around your team in general. If you're able to manage that and have a positive atmosphere, the chances are the team will do better like when it matters. Uh, and so I think, you know, right now the focus for the Dalinoi and the coaching staff is to get that back. Cause I think after the Palestine game, there was like a lot of positivity and then quickly we can see that even with a bad game, how ready everybody is to jump on them. So they know they have to, you know, deliver to get that kind of back to a equilibrium before the knockout stages. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Iran knows that they have to know that they're going to get everyone else's best shot. They know that everyone else thinks that they are uh, a favorite in this tournament. Uh, okay, so just looking uh, to Tuesday for the match against UAE, uh, it is uh, Tuesday the 23rd. Uh, it will be at, uh, I believe that is 4 o'clock p.m. Central European time, 3 o'clock in the U.K., 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, which is uh, Chicago, Houston, where I am, uh, and uh, 10 a.m. New York time, and then obviously uh, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, where Sahan is. Uh, as usual, uh, it'll be on the same streaming platforms uh, from the first two matches in the U.S. and Canada. I know it's on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, hopefully we won't have the uh, idiots that they had on the uh, in the studios uh, discussing uh, our game because that that was dreadful. If it's it went viral with the CBS uh, soccer uh, guys discussing the match, they knew nothing about Iraq, they knew nothing about Korea or Japan. It was pretty sad to see. 
Uh, nonetheless, though, I like high high uh, high definition uh, streaming, so I'm thankful for that. Um, we'll also be posting uh, uh, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, as well as our pre-match Twitter space. There'll be 30 minutes before the game, as well as for about 30 minutes, uh, starting a few minutes uh, upon the completion of the match. So, all right. Um, that's that's about it. Uh, final words, guys. Any, uh, I guess, score predictions then? 2-1, Iran. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go optimistic. I'm going gonna, <laughs> gonna to go realistically optimistic, thinking, saying that uh, probably going to allow another dumb goal. Uh, but I think uh, things will wake up uh, as the game peels away and it'll be uh, three to one. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just go with that. Anywho, uh, yeah, Sahan and Fajman, thanks for joining me again. Uh, we'll see you all uh, Tuesday for the match. Guys, thanks again. Adios. Hello, my name is Ali Golizadeh and you are listening to Golbazan Podcast.